0: This is your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and you are listening to Season 4 of the Floor Rejects Podcast, The Wells House Phenomenon. watching or listening to the Floor Rejects podcast, I am your friendly neighborhood spray paint expert, Jonathan, and I'm bringing to you a new chapter in the Wells House phenomenon. If you're new here, whether it's the audio version of the podcast or the video version of the podcast, let me give you a quick refresher. Every week we go chapter by chapter through a story. It's kind of like an audiobook, except I wrote it, I read it, and then I critique it as we go along. Um, we kind of started out with stuff I had written as a kid, as a teenager, um, which is when I had the most time to write. And now every week I bring to you a fresh new chapter, a first draft of a story, um, and then we go through it together. So last week we had chapter 11 in which Warren and Edward just kind of really upped their flirt, um, romance game. They really went through a lot of, um, a lot of cat and mouse toying with each other. It's very cute. Um, Warren kind of tries to flee, be by himself for a little while. He goes to the swimming hole, um, falls asleep there. And then as soon as he falls asleep, he wakes up in his dream. He realizes that now he can have a little time to just rest in his dreams because he hasn't been able to. And whether it's in his dream world or in the real world, he's getting tired. Um, he's getting weaker. And so, you know, he takes a nap. He's kind of enjoying the serenity, both physically and mentally. And then Edward shows up. He kind of realizes in this moment that everyone around him can see his body, interact with his body when he's asleep. He cannot. Um, And so that's kind of where he learned a little bit more. Um, And then him and Edward kept progressing in their romance we had you know the scene by the by the water by the swimming pool um we had the scene by let's see was this yeah it was yeah there's the scene in the dining room in which they get a little hot and heavy but warren even in his kind of sleepy half modified state um his core kind of concepts are still the same in which he doesn't Number one, he doesn't really wanna get super involved in a relationship with someone who's basically his employee. And he especially doesn't wanna do it too quickly and, and risk doing something that in the short term is very um, sexy, erotic, fun, and in the long term is gonna end up just causing him headache. Um, and so he kind of puts the brakes a little bit, just is like, let's pause, reevaluate tomorrow when we're not you know, drunk on rich foods and horny. Um, But then Thomas kind of shows up in his dream after that um, and is just kind of like, I know what's going on. I can tell there's something else going on. Um, And that's kind of where we leave off is Warren trying to pretend, trying to pretend to Thomas that he doesn't know what's going on. Thomas calling him on it and then saying, you need to trust me, and basically smashing a rock over Warren's head in his dream to facilitate him waking up because Warren is also finding that, I guess the more tired he becomes, um, the more intent his body is on staying asleep. So the the more physical harm he can do to himself in his dreams and still not wake up because his body is tired. So without further ado, um, we're gonna get into chapter 12. My audio listeners who have been here for a while, as you've probably noticed, there's been a a lack of commercials. Um, That's on purpose. I kind of felt like I was jumping the gun a little bit and adding a little too much professionalism too quick. So we're gonna take a step back. My visual visual watchers You'll also notice that the camera's not tilting back forth six, seven different ways, and there's no beauty filter on me because we're going old school. Um, And by old school, I just mean I'm not putting my phone on a face tracking gimbal anymore because it doesn't work. If you are either listener or watcher, you'll probably notice a difference in audio quality, maybe not worse, maybe not better, Um, but... I am, if you're a visual watcher, you can see it. I'm using a lav, lav, lav mic um, just to test it out, see if it sounds okay. I've been using like a big snowball microphone and this probably sounds weird, but it's almost too sensitive. Um, it'd be great if I was using it in a studio or back when I recorded in my closet, um, but that just doesn't work anymore. Um, and I, there's too much, too much surround sound. So we're going to check, see how this sounds. And if it sounds okay, I'll keep doing it. Um, I probably won't keep it clipped to the brim of my hat. Uh, And yes, I am wearing a hat, audio uh, listeners. I am wearing a hat in this video. Not because I'm one of those people who wearing a a hat is part of their personality. Um, Mostly because I washed my hair on Monday night. And then I slept on it with it still being wet into Tuesday. And then Tuesday, I just let it sit around with oil in it. And then I tried to put my curls back into it. And it's a long story, but underneath this hat is a multitude of sins. Um, and we're gonna ignore them. And we're gonna ignore that the only hat that I had that I could clip a lot mic to um, is unfortunately The one that says daddy on it. So without further ado, I think it's time to get into chapter 12, Bird of Prey. Chapter 12, Bird of Prey. Warren's eyes shoot open as he feels a sharp pain run down his spine. He reaches back instinctively and he yelps as he touches the area at the base of his skull. His skin is so sore that he's worried he can't remember what happened, as if it was a memory he lost in a fall and not the way he actually lost it. For a moment, he has a fleeting thought that he can't quite place, but it fades, and he gets up with the intent to spend the day lounging around Edward as he did whatever Lila asked of him. Breakfast was strange, though, as Warren wandered out into the kitchen. No one was there. Lila seemed to have made him a meal and set it out. It was still piping hot, with a small paper name placard next to it, but Warren found himself feeling oddly lonely, with no one to converse with. He ate quickly, rushing to dress and out into the yard where he thought he might find his employees. It's a hazy morning with a tiny bit of chill in the air as fog rolls in from around the sunken areas near the house. Warren shivers, considering running inside to get a jacket, but instead pushes on around the side of the house and out back. He thinks he might be able to hear quiet voices, not distinct enough for him to know who it is, but he heads towards them and he can tell that they are coming from inside the barn the door of it hanging open just enough to let sound out. Warren crunches towards it, and as he gets close, the whispers stop suddenly, and he can feel a prickling at the back of his mind. He approaches carefully, not calling out. A scuffling sound comes from the barn when Warren pulls the door open quickly. Thomas is kneeling in the middle of the barn, next to the trailer, his head down on the dirt floor, his chest heaving. Warren begins to rush towards him, but then a rattling comes from farther back, and shudders on the back breezeway are clacking hard against the building. Warren freezes, and Thomas looks up, his eyes swirling and pained. The color, normally a pale blue, is shifting, moving between blue and amber like an intense flame flickering in his head. A large cut runs across his forehead with blood running down the bridge of his nose and around his left eye. His right eye socket is swollen, his nose is crooked as if it was broken. His shirt is torn down one side, with red spreading out from the tear. Warren, run. Thomas croaks, his head falls back down to his chest, the dirt under him turning muddy brown as blood dripped from his face and his fingertips. Warren does run, but towards the man, scooping his arms up and leveraging Thomas up to stumble beside him. Leave me. Thomas moans, his head rolling around as Warren half-walks, half-pulls the broken man towards his jeep, which was parked outside the barn. Warren throws open the passenger door, pushing Thomas up and into the seat, where he seems to be borderline unconscious. Warren curses, realizing the keys are on his bedside drawer. He sprints to the house, through the front door, and past Lila, who's standing in the entryway, dusting a picture frame. Warren grabs the keys and ignores Lila and now Edward, who stands on the opposite side of the door, running as fast as he can towards the jeep. He fires it up, spraying gravel against the barn as he peels up towards the house. Lila and Edward are standing, seemingly calm next to it, watching as Warren and a bloody Thomas fly past them. As they get past the house, Thomas's head rolls over to Warren, who's frantically trying to find a hospital in the GPS as they fly down the drive through billowing shadowy fog. Thank you, Warren, Thomas says, just above the din of the roaring engine. Warren looks over at him confusedly. Thomas, don't worry, just focus on staying awake, okay? Warren says, failing to keep his tone as calm as he wanted. Finally, he finds the hospital, his mind racing as the gate comes into focus. He doesn't worry about it opening, content to smash through it if he had to. He sees the gate beginning to open as they draw near. A louder, more insistent whooshing sound echoes in the cabin, and as Warren turns to reassure Thomas, a black mist materializes, wrapping around the man who yelps as the strange fog covers his face. Fuck, Warren yells, turning back to the road for a split second, and when he looks back, the Jeep door is flapping open, the passenger seat empty. Warren looks in his rear view and catches the sight of Thomas's body laying in the grass behind the car as it sped away with the black mist whirling away like a sentient wisp. Warren screams in frustration and slams his hands on the steering wheel and panics, looking back at the road just to catch Lila in the middle of the now open gate. Warren stomps on the brakes and the tires squeal, the vehicle now feeling less like his car and more like a gyroscope as the wheels clip the paver edge of the drive and the vehicle tips, Warren watching in horror as the asphalt rushes up towards his window. The car slams down, and Warren's head smashes into the pillar, shattered glass tinkling down around him as he tried to establish a grip on reality while his car slides into the wet grass. His steering wheel had exploded and gray dust was everywhere, coating his skin, his eyes, the inside of his mouth as he tried to look around. Smoke is filling the cabin as he begins to make out shapes moving towards the vehicle through its cracked windshield. His sunroof is shattered, creaking as it robotically tried and failed to open, and he crawls towards it, glass piercing his skin and smoke burning his nostrils and lungs. When he clears the frame in the roof, he looks over and can see Lila and Edward walking slowly towards him, their eyes much like Thomas's swirling in different unnatural hues of red, black, purple, and orange as they walk in unison towards him. Warren, go. Warren can hear echoing from up the drive, And as he stands shakily he can see thomas's arm waving weakly gesturing for him to run but he can't his chest is on fire and his hips feel as if they are out of socket and so he begins to limp meagerly around the car looking for any mode of escape he doesn't know why he is running from the two people he had come to care for but the closer they got to him the more he could see that in the thick fog at the base of the hill they were not who he thought they were or at least they looked wrong Lila's face hung unnaturally low, her jowl sagging and swinging from side to side as she walked, her mouth open wide with a set of sharp teeth glowing dull yellow. Edward was radiating power, almost glowing. His hair fluttered around him a deep maroon, his eyes fiery red as he licked his lips and drew closer, and Warren could see that his tongue was forked. Warren tries to limp around the car faster than they walked, but they were gaining on him. He pushed hard, willing his feet to move as he hobbled towards the gate, which was now closing without the pressure of a car on the sensors under the drive. "'What are you?' Warren shouts, looking over his shoulder at the pair as they got frighteningly closer. In response, Lila tossed her head back, her impossibly long lower jaw still hanging on her chest and cackled, to which Edward responded with a bone-rattlingly deep howl warren could hear thomas weeping behind him over the sound of the engine hissing warren stepped in a stream of gas that was running from his car down the drive and a huge cut in his foot through his shoe began to burn so intensely that he stumbled falling onto one knee as the gate clicked closed ominously just out of reach lila laughs again her voice almost a wail, and edward starts to chant warren's name warren wells warren wells warren wells Edward hums, and when he reaches out so close that Warren can smell sulfur on his breath, Lila slaps Edward's hand away, sniffing at the air just as the jeep erupts in a massive plume of fire that runs quickly down the stream where Warren had fallen and the others now stood. Lila shrieks as the fire engulfs her, and Edward bellows as it winds its way up his hulking legs. Warren, just out of reach of the fire, shimmies against the fence away from the flaming figures, and then staggers back up the drive as fast as he can towards the now still, dark figure laying in the grass. Thomas! Thomas! Warren yells, shaking the lifeless man. He could see that Thomas, like the others, had transformed. His face was... Still much the same, but with small raised points under his skin at his temples, the apple of each of his cheeks and over each eyebrow. His skin seemed harder than normal skin, almost scaly, but between the unnaturally thick fog and the haze from the fire, Warden couldn't see any visual difference. He shakes the man again. He couldn't leave him behind. He didn't know why, but he knew that there was something different about him from his family. He shakes Thomas again, harder, and the man finally stirs coughing up a black liquid and looking weakly up at Warren. Don't sleep, he whispers, his eyes growing wide as a shadow falls over them. Warren wells. Edward's raspy, burned voice is right behind Warren. He turns and the man is in front of him, but no longer a man. His flesh is blackened, sloughing off to reveal pulsing, undulating red and purple muscle underneath. His face is burned so severely that when he grins sinisterly, his cheeks rip and his razor-sharp teeth show in rows all the way back to his molars. His eyes, though, are still red-hot embers trained on Warren, who tries to skitter away, only to be snatched up in just one of Edward's inhumanly strong, foul, smoldering arms. You can't get away from us, Master Wells, Edward says with an evil titter. What are... You, Warren asks, his vision blurring as Edward wraps a hand around his throat. In Kubo, Edward hisses, squeezing tighter. Warren knows he doesn't stand a chance with Brawn alone, but he reaches out, his arms just long enough to caress Edward's still-smoking face. Edward chuckles humorlessly, thinking Warren had given up but the tenacious small man uses the last of his strength to slide his hand up and sink his fingers deep into Edward's eye sockets. He roars, tossing Warren like a rag doll to the grass and stumbles back. Warren watches with a twisted sense of satisfaction as Edward staggers blindly, stepping directly into the fiery husk of his car and falling, reignited, to the pavement. Warren looks to Thomas, whose eyes were open, staring unfocused at the sky, and resolves to get back to the house. He moves as fast as he can, knowing that Edward wouldn't be down for long if the first round of fire hadn't stopped him, and after what felt like agonizing hours of running and crouching behind trees and urns, he finally makes it to the front door. But an idea hits him like a ton of bricks. He doesn't see either Lila or Edward near him, and he runs around back the house once again to the barn, this time sliding into the building without moving the door. His grandfather's trusty, rusty pickup was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen in that moment. And when he finds the key in the ignition, he can feel tears of relief roll down his cheeks. The engine cranks and cranks, but doesn't turn over. He tries again and again until he has to stop or risk flooding the engine and punches the steering wheel in frustration. Warren Wells? Warren hears Edward shout in the distance. He cowers behind the wheel for a moment before he feels a brush of wind on the back of his neck. He shivers, but then smells something strangely familiar, his grandpa's aftershave. He looks around and confirms that there was no one else in the building, but the smell, so comforting and reassuring, gives him the courage to give the old truck one last try. He cranks it, and to his relief, the engine sputters to life. Yes, he yells yanking the truck into gear and slamming on the accelerator the truck crashes through the barn door spinning out for a moment and fishtailing on the gravel before lurching up the hill warren whoops in relief but is silenced as he crests the hill of the house and finds himself faced with edward standing downhill from him in the driveway warren without a thought guns the engine and begins to pick up speed edward stands his arms behind his back calmly waiting as warren hurtled towards him Warren is bracing himself as he gets close both feet jammed one against the floorboard and the other against the pedal ready to smash through the horrifying thing that stood in front of him but then as the gap got smaller and smaller between them edward moves slowly drawing his arms out from behind him and pulls thomas from behind him warren gasps in horror as the man he thought was dead now looked at him in horror in the headlights of a barreling truck god damn it Warren screams, slamming on the brakes, trying to maintain control as the truck desperately tried to spin out. He couldn't kill someone who he thought might be innocent. It wasn't in him to do it. The truck doesn't flip, but ends up sideways in the drive, the engine coughing and dying as Warren looked around wildly, trying to spot Edward. Just as he begins to think Edward had given up, left or otherwise disappeared, the truck shakes, and a semicircle section of the roof is punched down on either side of the cab. Warren, shuddering in horror, realizes that they are hoof prints. Warren Wells, Edward whispers as monstrously long fingers wrap around the edge of the roof into the cab through the rolled down windows on either side of it. Warren scrambles to find a weapon, feeling frantically under the seat, under the dash for a weapon as he hears Edward's horrifying laugh getting closer to the driver's window. He finds an old club flashlight in the glove box and when edward's blackened face begins to sink down into view warren with the last of his bravery wails in pain and fear and swings with his eyes closed the heavy flashlight connecting with a wet thud there's a clattering as edward collapses on the roof of the truck and warren slowly carefully clips out of the open passenger window He looks back for a millisecond and can only see what looked like giant bat wings laid out over the top of the truck before turning towards the gate he knew he had to scale it if he wanted to get away and he walked slowly resolved to get to the gate with enough strength to climb it or die trying he passes thomas who was once again lifeless on the ground he knew he would come back with help but someone had to escape first he passes his jeep now a noxious moldering pile of plastic and wires He then skirts carefully around Lila, who laid still on the asphalt where she had caught fire. When he gets to the gate, he tries again to pry it open, to no avail. Then he tries to squeeze between the bars, but he can't even get a leg through them. They're slick with condensation, so he knows he can't just shimmy up. He shrugs off his ripped-up flannel shirt, then his t-shirt, and ties them together in a knot, tossing one end up and over the upper horizontal rail. He takes a deep breath grabbing the other side and begins to muscle his way up, moaning in pain as all of his joints are pulled apart and his bruised and battered body screamed for relief. He managed to get one hand up, gripping the upper rail and then the other. He lets the knotted fabric hang limply as he musters enough energy to pull himself up. One, two, three, he counts to himself before pulling up with all his might. He gets himself up, his head and chest on the right side of the fence and his legs on the other side. Just as he tastes freedom, he feels a yank at his pant leg. He looks down with anticipation into horror, finds Lila, her now claw-like hands wrapped around his left ankle. She pulls, giggling frightfully as Warren teeters the wrong way. He grasps at the slick poles, trying desperately to maintain his grip, but as Lila pulls, she begins jumping, bouncing, and laughing gleefully as she dragged him back down. He roars, trying to stay up, fighting to stay away, but he's no match, and with an agonizing impact, Warren comes to rest in the wet, cold grass at her feet. She smiles down at him, her face only half charred, the other half pink and horrifyingly glassy, all of her hair gone. Warren Wells, you cannot escape us, she says, her voice like sandpaper. Warren, winded and broken, looks up dumbly, waiting for his death. Do it! He yells, and he stares down at her, her eyes gleaming. Stupid, stupid boy, we can't kill you. Yet, she spits as Warren begins to hear wings flapping in the distance. To his never-ending horror, Edward lands, massive wings sprouted from his back. His eyes are nothing more than black and red holes, and Warren wished he had the energy to scream. Want me to do it, mother? He asks, his face pointed at Warren even though he had no eyes let me, he's been insufferable since he arrived," she says, lifting a hoof and smashing it into Warren's temple before he had a chance to scream. For the first time in his stay at the manor, Warren didn't end up in a waking terror, or some sort of idyllic daytime fantasy. For the first time in months, as Warren was carried back to his bed in Edward's once comforting arms, he slept. He was at peace as his little world burned and the people he had once trusted plotted over him, deciding how to break him the easiest. Okay, I'm back. And I wanna tell you about seven things. Number one, I hate having this wire tucked behind my ear because every time I move it, I feel it pull and it's super annoying. Um, Number two, my hat is very itchy. That seems like it's not that big of a deal. Like, just go change it. But the amount of rigmarole I got to go through just to like get this camera so that you don't like see the top of my computer and see the like naked bodies on the wall behind, it's like a whole thing. So let's, let's, I just wanted to get that off my chest because you can probably see on my face while I'm reading if you're, if you're watching and maybe if you're listening, you can hear it a little bit of annoyance. But I'm really trying to recenter myself and, and keep the joy in doing this because to me it's it's worth it once i start reading and getting into a story and even when i'm kind of stumbling over clunky phrases that i've just never read out loud and that i am realizing in the moment don't work i still love it i still like reading what i've written i like picturing what i've written and seeing the story come to life in my own head um so it's it's fun Uh, But let's talk about this chapter. So it's kind of just a part two to um, chapter 11 in which Warren goes to sleep, um, deals with Thomas, Thomas kind of confronts him and then smashes his head in, right? We're starting to pick up steam. It's not chapter after chapter of just monotonous flirting, monotonous kissing, monotonous will they, won't they? We know that they will, but now will they or won't they? Because this has all happened during Warren's waking hours you know, and I know that if he falls asleep, if he goes through whatever reset it is that falling asleep is for him, his memories can just be wiped away. Whether it's his memories of his dreams, whether it's his memories of, um, the day, whether it's his memory of what people look like, it's all subject to change. And what we're understanding now is it's at the whim of Lila and Edward and maybe Thomas, um, but it's, this is the first time in real life that he's kind of confronting this horror. And we've seen where he's gotten glimpses of his memories that he can't remember during the day. So I wonder, because I haven't written it yet, will this come back into play? If you don't want spoilers for something that like we've been dancing around for 12 chapters now and that I keep saying you already know what it is, skip ahead like two minutes. Um, I'll give you a second. If you're still here, the three of them are incubuses slash succubuses, right? Incubuses are actually male sex demons and succubuses are female sex demons. To me, it feels like incubus, like incubate would be female sex demons, but I, I digress. I've done a lot of research on incubuses and succubuses, but we're just gonna, let's just say succubuses and it means both because women are better. Um, So when it comes to succubuses, um, the earliest written record of kind of their manifestation is in ancient Mesopotamia in cuneiform. Um, They are called Ardat lily and Ardat lilu. Um, those are the male and female, like parent sex demons. They're actually mentioned in um, Jesus Christ, what's the name of that? I, it's so famous, and I've read it. A bit. The story with Oedipus. They're in the story with Oedipus. Um, and I'm, I mean, I've read it. I've read it. I don't remember what it's called. The story with Oedipus, they're in there. Um, and the thing about sex demons is that. A kind of throughout history, cultures that have never interacted with each other, all have these accounts of the same things. So, if you believe in demons, or you believe in like a central kind of uh, a one central religion, or extra extraterrestrial, or or out of this out of this plane existence, one central form of them then sex demons succubuses have existed simultaneously through every culture as they've begun forming before they formed the culture before them the 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 each and every great um religion culture group of people has had these recorded demons that come to visit them in the night, right? That come to steal their seed, that come to impregnate them. Now, I can hear you in the distance saying, Jonathan, don't incubuses and succubuses practice in the R-A-P-E. Some say yes. Some cultures say no. Here's the fun part is I can take, because that's kind of a small um, part of what they do because their whole thing is they're kind of like sirens in that they attempt seduction. They attempt to willingly coerce their victims. We're using the term victim. is just like, you get what I'm saying. They, they attempt to do it, um, peacefully, willingly. Right. And it's kind of, if you look at it as a strictly religious thing, it's just sort of a morality lesson, right? The weakness of of the flesh, of being tempted by these sexy demons in your sleep. There's other interpretations of them in which they are... What scientists, what historians that aren't really looking at it from a religious standpoint see... And you probably know all this, and I'm just telling you stuff you don't care about that you already know. But what a lot of people understand them as... Um, You know how some, if you've ever had sleep paralysis, I've only thankfully had it a couple of times, um, sleep paralysis, oftentimes there's this like sleep paralysis demon, right? It's this, like you're frozen, you're laying in bed, you're frozen, you can't move, you can't really do anything. You're just kind of looking around and from the corner of your eye, you see a figure standing in the corner of your room. I've seen it. It's, it's probably the most instantly terrified I've ever been in my entire life. Um, and I'm getting chills just thinking about it, but that's kind of, if you recall the first, like in the third cha- second chapter, third chapter, Warren's first couple of nights when he's sleeping, he's suffering from sleep paralysis. He's suffering from sleep paralysis and the, you know, the demon standing in the corner of the room. Here's the fun part. And we're going to do a little bit of spoiling here. So if you're just coming back in, and you don't want spoilers, go back out for another, like, two minutes, okay? The The thing that's standing in the corner of the room, it turns out, is not the sex demon, right? The sex demons are all around him during the day. So, what I wanted to, to one, is just come out and say, they're incubuses, they're succubuses. I used incubo, which is the Latin, the mo- more recent Latin translation, and by recent, I mean, like, 14th century Um just because, I mean, if we're putting sex demons into a story, I think we can just assume that they keep up with the times, you know, of what they're called. Um, But they're sex demons, so we know what they are. Now, here's how I'm choosing to deal with them, because this is a fantasy horror story. It's not reality. That means I can suspend disbelief and the existence of sex demons is already... If you subscribe to that, you're already kind of willingly suspending your disbelief when it comes to physical and and um, mental reality as you can see it and feel it and touch it. Uh, so I don't feel too bad about doing that, but I'm going to take some liberties and we're going to do away with the idea that the demons can... Um, assault you um, and that there is a way because in some stories yes that is what they can do in some stories they can't right like some retellings they're just so tempting that they tempt it right out of you that you don't have a choice but it's, it's still kind of willing we're going to treat them that way because number one that's not it, the idea of assault we're just gonna say it's okay the idea of assault is not something i want to get near that i want to touch that i want to come near but what i kind of do find interesting and funny and what i'm trying to do and and approach is number one not having my dog upstairs barking number one is uh take this like obviously appropriate like just a a regular mental thing that happens to people that's been appropriated to be like some form of um, of religious instruction or religious example of like the weakness of the flesh, of how um, demons are everywhere, of how regular, you know, um, nocturnal emissions or (laughs) regular um, sexually erotic dreams or night paralysis is a form or interpretation of the weakness of our brains or of temptation or of sin. Take that, apply it to a queer person, a queer protagonist, and then say, okay, here it is, but we're gonna take all the power away from the demons, right? If you're just coming back, skip two more minutes. We're, we're still talking about it. So we take all that power away, right? All they can do, they have, t- our demons, our incubuses and succubuses, they have to acquire the seed willingly and i'm saying seed do i mean come yes i do that's kind of the whole thing right here's the other fun part okay here's the fun part here's what i absolutely love what kind of inspired me to think about this right all of all of recorded history all of the kind of more ancient older representations, forms, descriptions of incubuses and succubuses are completely heterosexual. There are no examples of, a, of an incubus coming to a man in the night or a succubus coming to a woman in the night. It's always an incubus comes to a woman and a succubus comes to a man. So what if we take the one thing that makes Warren different from the Straits? From every single one, presumably, presumably, every single one of his male ancestors in the past, let's take the one thing that makes him different than every single one of them and make it a strength. Make it the one thing, if he can't be forced into doing something, the demons have to figure out a different way to do it. Because demons are not notorious for like, just giving up and letting a different demon take over, right? I think it's really fun. So, okay, we're back. Back to the chapter, just to the writing. Do I still have some clunkers? Yes. Are there some parts of it where I repeat certain words that really bug me? Like, I do this thing where I reuse the word fast a lot, or faster, fastest, fast, fast, fast. I love um, adjectives. I love to describe things as they're happening flowery language is the is my horcrux it is the bane of my existence i will write things flowery until the day i die i digress though i think i'm doing a little better um things that i think i did pretty pretty well in this chapter i think that i did a pretty good job creating um maybe not a, a, a visual stimulation but painting a picture of things that are happening I, I think that to me, the imagery of like the claws wrapping around the, you know, either side of the cab through the open windows, the, the face kind of sliding down, looking from the side, to me, picturing it makes me kind of like shiver a little bit. And I love that. That's what I wanted the whole time was to write something, honestly, that made other people shiver. But if it makes me shiver picturing, like remember the black and red face, demon from um Insidious picture that that scene from Insidious One where he's sliding behind the ever sexy Patrick Wilson sliding from behind him. That scene makes me wanna piss myself every time I watch it. It's so scary. And that's like if I can accomplish a fraction of that, I'm doing my my due diligence. I'm doing good, I think. Um and I think I'm doing a pretty good job in describing it. Some things that are a little harder is like spatial kind of awareness like to me I know exactly where the house is I know where the barn is I know that inside the barn that the truck and the trailer are kind of wrapped in a semicircle inside the barn I know that the driveway goes straight to the left of the house and goes all the way down to the gate and then it's a pretty straight shot I know that the house is up on a hill and the barn is on the hill behind it and then the driveway goes up and over and then I know all that I think I've established pretty good kind of what it looks like, but I do also think that there is still some value in letting your audience picture it how they want to picture it. So as long as you get the idea of, yes, he goes to the barn, yes, he gets in the truck, yes, he drives over the hill and he tries to smash into Edward, I think that's fun. Um, Some things that I think I still need to work on are... um, honestly, some things like formatting, like paragraphs, um, I I really still want to get better and I am getting better as I read things. Reading them out loud helps me to kind of realize when I can replace, uh, a name with like a pronoun. Like I can replace Warren with he or Edward with he or Lila with she. I'm getting better at it. I still need to do some more work on that. I need to do some more work on, um, Dumbing down my sentences, not because I think that the listener or the reader is dumb, but because I think I make sentences so complex that in my head, reading them, they make total sense. And reading them out loud to you, they probably sound okay. But looking them at them on the page, a sentence probably shouldn't have six commas in it, right? It should have, some sentences should, should just have no commas. Every one of my sentences has a comma, and it feels like that's too many commas i don't know i don't i don't know if i'm i i feel like i'm abusing the comma i know i am i also don't know how to fix it um i didn't go to school for math, but i do think I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job of uh focusing on what's important which is like painting the picture for you and letting you fill in the gaps you know the little things that don't matter that don't really matter I mean, I think the big thing is to picture Jeep on fire. Um, Edward has sprouted wings. His eyes are gone. Lila's face half burned, half not burned, but you know the kind of burn where it's just like, you, you know what I'm saying. Um, Thomas looking like a baby demon. Um, I think, I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm not going to say I'm doing great. But I think I'm doing good. I also think I'm doing pretty okay with keeping up with all the loose ends that are going to kind of come back into play later. Um, at least I hope I am, you know? That's that's all I can really hope for. But if you listen to the spoilers, now you kind of understand where I'm at, why I'm excited, what, why I was like excited to kind of take something that we're, we're used to hearing about, that we're used to hearing in different forms, right? In... Um, <coughs> coronavirus. I'm excited to take something that we are used to hearing about in a scientific context or in a religious context, merging them together, shaking them up, making them queer, and then making the queer part of it the part that is strength and not the part that is weakness, not the part that needs to be overcome or come to terms with, but the part that makes our protagonist whole, I guess. So I'll be back next week with chapter, lucky chapter 13. Um, I just like looked at my clock thinking, oh, it's next week, Friday, it's Wednesday the 13th. No, I'm a stupid, dumb idiot. Chapter 13, um, we're starting to pick up speed here, but I think next week we're going to figure out what the new plan of attack is, or if not figuring out what the new plan of attack is, because there will be a new one, at least figuring out what the aftermath is. Because if you listen to the spoilers, you kind of get, well, I guess you don't, nobody really knows what exactly it is Thomas did, but Thomas has obviously screwed up in the eyes of his family because they were obviously the ones, I guess, beating him up in the barn. They... Edward didn't care about him, was willing to like risk his life to stop uh, Warren in the truck. We need to figure out what's going to happen to Thomas. Warren, it's kind of like, he's just going to wake up with no memory, but all the others are still going to remember. So what's going to happen there? I don't... I don't know. I haven't written it yet. Don't look at me. Um, if you stuck through here, I appreciate it as always. I... I'm I'm really excited about where the story's headed. I I was kind of reaching a stalemate. I was like, "Okay, come on, let's pick it up." Um it was it was frustrating, but I do really love where the story's going and how it ends up because I know how it ends, but it's how do we get there? Cuz we've got a long 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 way to go in a short amount of time if we want to keep the story a little bit more compact than 40 chapters. Um We've got a long way to go in a short amount of time. So, I'll be back next week. I appreciate you listening, watching. If you could, if if you're listening to this, if you could just, like, go to my YouTube page and just, you know, play the videos in the background. Give them a like. If you could treat me the way that a K-pop group's uh, fans treat their new releases in which they listen to them on repeat. Um, and then once they're done listening to them, they just put them on silently in the background. That would be much appreciated. Or you could go over there and watch if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out my YouTube channel. I just kick the tripod. That's the kind of, um, professionalism you can expect. Not only am I doing this podcast visually, which is mostly just you watching me talk, um, and read to you. You can, um, basically read it as I'm reading it. You can follow along. There's also some DIY furniture restoration, refurbs. Um, We've done, what have we done so far? We've done a millennial pink mid-century modern desk. We've done a little copper and burnt orange mid-century vanity chair. What else have we done? Oh, I just posted uh, a dark, like mahogany deep wood um vintage folding cornet chair this week this week what are we doing i've got like three different videos i could do i've got this chair i'm sitting in that i finished i've got two folding chairs that i made into a matching set but it is tough and filming it was hard um and i've also got the mirror that was over here is a giant mirror i found at an antique store with a crack in it and how I kind of camouflaged the, the crack in the mirror, a different way that you might be able to do it if you find a mirror you really like and it's got a little crack. Um, mostly just works for straight lines, but you know. Um, so head over to my YouTube channel if you haven't been over there yet and just kind of check it out. Um, but in any case, I can't really tell. I think my phone is dying. So we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here. As always, I've appreciated you watching, listening. If you want to give me a review, I would appreciate it very much. Um, liking, subscribing if you're watching. Um, any It doesn't matter. Even if you do nothing, I appreciate it because it's somebody listening to me talking to the void and making me think that my feedback is helping me improve. So I've been your friendly neighborhood author. I'll be back next week. I appreciate it. Goodbye.